Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by our guest speaker. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. As I give you what I believe God has given to me uh, today, I would like you to consider that we're here not by accident, that there is purpose in God's process. And we don't see the beginning from the end like he does. We don't know the nuances and the little things that he uses to accomplish his purpose. His ways are above our ways. His thoughts are above our thoughts. We're just mere mortals. And this is just life. It is not life eternal. And we are still in the flesh and there is still this war that goes on within, as the scripture would say, in our members. So we are, we are where the carnal and spiritual collide. Where our human flesh and the spirit of God residing within us, that causes conflict and turmoil internally at times. And I think at times we have to be careful because we can get off track. If, you know, the Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Well, what does that mean? Well, it means let the Spirit that's in you be, let the Holy Ghost that's in you be bigger than the flesh that is surrounded by it. So this morning, I would like for you to consider with me the story in Genesis, the 11th chapter, just going to read nine verses, Um, a very, very familiar story. We've all heard it from Sunday school as kids on up. It's the story of Babel. But I would like us to look at this and consider some of the things that we can extract from this passage. So Genesis 11, 1 says, And the whole earth was of one language and of one speech, and it came to pass as they journeyed from the east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar, and they dwelt there. And they said one to another, let it Go to, let us make brick and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone, and slime had they for mortar. And they said, Go to, let us build a city and a tower whose top may reach unto heaven. And let us make a name, lest we be scattered abroad upon the face of the whole earth. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower, which the children of men builded. And the Lord said, Behold, the people is one, and they have all one language. And this they begin to do, and now nothing will be restrained from them, which they have imagined to do. Go to, let us go down, and there confound their language that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from thence upon the face of all the earth, and they left off to build the city. Therefore is the name of it called Babel, because the Lord did there confound the language of all the earth, and from thence did the Lord scatter them abroad upon the face of all the earth. So... The setting here is after the flood. And you remember there was how many souls in the ark? Eight, right? So maybe this is a hundred years or so after the, after, the, um, after the flood. 
the Lord's intention was for people to not stay all in one place, but to scatter, to populate the earth that he'd made, the place, the inhabit, place of inhabitation that he'd given to them. But these people didn't do that. And when you sit in a place where you're not in God's will long enough, the wheels start to turn. And no good thing comes from the carnal mind when it is not checked by the Spirit. And so they decided they were going to build a tower to heaven. So why? Why did they want to do this? Well, they remembered the flood. You know, they didn't have uh, CNN to tell them there was no flood. There, There were generations that knew that there had been a flood. And so maybe by building this tower, they thought, we're going to outsmart God. If he ever pulls that one again, we'll be able to get high enough where we won't be drowned. Well, there's a problem with that because God promised that he would never do that again. So when we forget the promises of God and we go out on our own to do things, that is a dangerous spot to be. And so, so maybe, they, maybe their motive was to, maybe we can escape another flood. But again, they would rather trust in their own abilities than the promises of God. When the human carnal side takes over, and we get outside of the promises of God, our unbelief leads to disobedience. And disobedience leads to separation from God. So, the people also, it says, wanted to make a name for themselves. These Babel builders put themselves to a great deal of foolish expense to make themselves a name. I don't know where they came up with the funding for this project, but they did this because they wanted to be remembered. It was about them. It was about their pride, about who they were and what they could accomplish. And it had nothing to do and no connection with what God had promised them if they would do what he asked them to do. So, so they didn't want to be forgotten. They wanted to make a name. But I would ask you if any of us can name one person that was involved in that project. There's no historical record of one name. Not one. So they failed at that. And here's another thing. They used bricks to build the tower. Well, big deal. It's a brick. Everything God built was with stone. It was with material that he had provided. See, when we think we can outsmart God... And by our own devices, provide for ourselves. We're building on sand. Because brick and mortar was man-made materials. 
It was stuff that they put together. And it was another indication of how proud they were and how foolish they were that they would ignore what God had provided for them to build. If we build on the, with the wrong stuff, it's not going to be successful. It won't work. When God builds, he builds on the rock. As a matter of fact, <clears throat> there's a big difference between a building when God builds it and when man builds it. It says <clears throat> that the, the babel, the brick and slime, were their best materials, but when God builds his Jerusalem, he lays even the foundation of it with sapphires and all of its borders with pleasant stones. Isaiah 54 11 and 12 says, O thou afflicted, tossed with tempest, and not comforted, behold, I will lay thy stones with fair colors, and lay thy foundations with sapphires. And I will make thy windows of agates, thy gates of carbuncles, and all thy borders of pleasant stones. Revelation 21.19 says, And the foundations of the wall of the city were garnished with all manner of precious stones. The first Foundation was jasper, the second sapphire, the third chalcedony, the fourth an emerald. So when God builds the building, it's a beautiful thing to behold. And he builds it on his materials and on his principles. When Jesus looked at Peter and he said, upon this rock will I build my church, it was a rock, not a brick. And that's how God operates. But these people, to serve their own purposes, to make a name for themselves, pride, to wrest control away from God, to become as gods, rebellion. Listen, motive matters. The reason we're doing things matters. When we pick our own methods and in, in, in our own materials in our own when it's us and we don't let God direct us and guide us it's not going to end well so <clears throat> that's where God confused the language he saw their motives they were not pure in his sight and let's take a look at what happens when they are this is a very familiar passage of scripture. Go to the second chapter of the book of Acts. Acts 2 and 1 says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as of fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how we hear every man in our own tongue wherein we were born. Parthians, Medes, Elamites, and dwellers in Mesopotamia, in Judea, and Cappadocia, Pontus, and Asia, 
Phrygia, Pamphylia, in Egypt, in the parts of Libya about Cyrene, and strangers of Rome, Jews and proselytes, Cretes, Arabians, we do, them, we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of God. Hmm. It's a little different when God brings the languages back together. So what were the conditions here when the Holy Ghost was poured out? First of all, they were all in one place. That's the easy part. Here we are. We're in one place. Beautiful place. We, we come here even on a winter morning in comfort. It's not hard. We can get here. It's not that way for everyone, but for us, being in one place is the simple part. But the other thing is, they were all in one accord. And that's the tough part. Why? Because we're human. We're in the flesh. We have pride. We have agendas. We have arrogance. We have, we have things that we think are the way things should be done. And when we do, it turns into Babel. But when we do it God's way, and there's unity. Look at this. There were people from all over earth that were there that day that heard them speak in tongues. When it's done God's way, the whole earth knows about it. Babel, we don't know who those people were. They wanted to make a name for themselves. Didn't happen. But here, when people came into one place and in one accord, in obedience to what God... God told them to go there, and they went there. And when that happens, that's when good things happen. That's when God's purpose is fulfilled. So <clears throat> this is my opinion, and I haven't had a conversation with Satan about this, but I believe the one thing Satan fears most is unity in the body of Christ. If people in their own carnal ability can build a tower to heaven and God sees it and says, whoa, they're gonna, they're, they'll pull this off. They can do this. How much more does Satan look at the church when it is united and say, oh boy, I got a big problem here. You see, he hates unity. Now there has been a call from this spot right here for unity in this body. Brother Rob, it was awesome. And if you haven't been here recently, um, you've missed some great sermons. If, if you, and I'm going to step out on a limb here, if you have ever heard yourself utter these words, I'm not being fed in this church, you better be careful. Because you haven't been where I've been. If you've been in this room and heard the preaching that's come over this pulpit, you have been fed. 
There's an old cliche that says you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make him drink. You can come here with a smorgasbord, a spiritual smorgasbord laid out for you, and if you decide not to eat, you won't be fed, but it's your choice. I'm not your pastor. And, and these are hard words. But listen, Satan wants to destroy this church. He fears unity. He fears when we come together with no malice, no issues with one another. When we come together and love one another and care about one another, regardless of who stands behind this pulpit, if it's the word of God, it's the word of God. And he fears that. Do you think it's possible that you might be used by Satan? Okay, let's read Proverbs 6. 16 to 19, you've heard this many times. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination unto him. A proud look, a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that, that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. I'm telling you folks, it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of an angry God. Read with me in Hebrews 10, and I'm going to read here from the Holman translation. It says, Hebrews 10, 23 through 36, Let us hold on to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us be concerned about one another in order to promote love and good works. Not staying away from our worship meetings as some habitually do, but encouraging each other, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. For if we deliberately sin after receiving the knowledge of the truth, there no longer remains a sacrifice for sin. But what remains here is a terrifying expectation of judgment and the fury of a fire about to consume the adversaries. If anyone disregards Moses' law, he dies without mercy based on the testimony of two or three witnesses. How much worse punishment do you think one will deserve who has trampled on the Son of God, regarded as profane the blood of the covenant by which he was sanctified, and insulted the Spirit of grace? For we know the one who has said, Vengeance belongs to me, I will repay, and again the Lord will judge his people. It is a terrifying thing to fall into the hands of a living God. Remember the earlier days when you had been in, after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions, knowing that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. Verse 35, so don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance, 
so that after you have done God's will, you might receive what was promised. What's required? Endurance. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is not a boxing match. In high school, we had gym class every day. And one of the things we did during the years, we had wrestling. And wrestling, if you've ever done it, it's you are 100% full throttle. There's no... It's very difficult when you engage a person in a wrestling match, it's strength against strength. It's max against max. It's full, full bore. And it wears you down in a hurry. A boxing match, the boxers faint and move and they can disengage, but not in a wrestling match. And that's why I think the scripture used that analogy. We wrestle not against flesh and blood. This is a full-time business of keeping our flesh under the spirit. And I'm not talking to you like one who's attained or already arrived. That is not the case. The last time I spoke, I, I talked to you about Mephibosheth, how he was delivered but damaged. We all have stuff in our lives. And it's just the way we're built. And either credit or blame God because he made us this way. And he decided that he so desperately wanted people that would serve him and obey him and worship him out of their own desire, he made us free moral agents. So <clears throat> there are promises in scripture. You know, the one that comes to mind is train up your child in the way that it should go and when they're old, they won't depart from it. That's a great promise, but that child has a free will and they will make choices that will impact their eternal destiny. And they can have the promise if they want it, but they can walk away from it too. So, <clears throat> I'd like you to turn to Ephesians, the fourth chapter now. And this talks about relationships that we should have between us, how things should work for us. We're going to read verses 1 through 32. I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called, with all lowliness and meekness, with long suffering, forbearing one another in love, endeavoring to keep unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body and one Spirit, even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. Well, that's scriptural preach. One God, one God. <laughs> I'm in a place where we believe that there is one God. One hero Israel, the Lord, <laughs> one God. We're not saved by a committee that might have disagreements. We're saved by the one God who gave his life for us. One God and Father of all who is above all and through all and in you all. But unto every one of us is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. Wherefore he saith when he, he, saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. 
Now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he might fill all things. And here's this fivefold ministry. He gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. So if my calling is the teacher, it's the bottom of the list. But why are we here in these ministries? For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Here's the word, till we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by sleight of men and cunning craftiness, wherein they they lie in wait to deceive. Listen, Satan is smart. He's crafty. And he will use subtle things. Remember how he deceived Eve. Oh, you won't die. You eat that, you're going to be just like God. Liar. But she bought it. And here we are. And so we have to be wise to, his, to Satan's devices. He will do anything he can do to pull us apart. He will do anything to anyone, and he doesn't care about what happens to you if you're one of these. He doesn't care. He hates what we're trying to do here. So, I'm trying to do this today, speaking the truth in love. May grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. From from whom the whole body fitted fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplieth according to the effectual working in the measure of every part making increase of the body unto the edifying of itself in love. This I say therefore and testify in the Lord that ye henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind, pride, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart. Those are hard words. The ignorance that's in them. This I say for, therefore, and testify in the Lord that henceforth, I already read that, having understand having the understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, who, being past feeling, have given themselves over to lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But ye have not so learned Christ. If so be that ye have heard him and been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that ye put off... Concerning the former conversation, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that ye put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away, putting away lying, speak every man the truth with his neighbor, for we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not, let the sun not go down on your wrath. Listen. We can be angry. We can be angry with one another. But it's got to be resolved. 
<clears throat> I think my wife and I are pretty good at this. We have disagreements once in a while, once every 20, 30 years. <clears throat> but we don't hardly ever go to bad, bed mad at one another. Well, except the other night. Maybe. Anyway. <clears throat> no, this is important. You know, if, you've got, if you're angry about something, get it resolved and put it away. And <clears throat> so let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Hmm. That, that scripture could turn into a, a sermon as well. Now here, I'm just going to do something here with the word, show you how maybe Satan can change things. Let him that stole steal no more. Here's what it says, let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands the thing which is good, that he may have to give to him that needeth. But Satan would say, let him that stole steal. No more working with his hands, the thing. It's only a few words that you let out of there, right? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good for to the use of the edifying, <clears throat> that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Okay, I'm on Facebook, I confess. <clears throat> I'm, I'm uh, connected with Brother East. He's on there a lot. He's, he put up something this last week that I think we all need to hear. It says, if you require an apology to forgive, the love of God is not in you. <laughs> Forgiveness should be our default mode of operation. So <clears throat> that's what Brother East said. And we're going to go to First Corinthians here pretty fast, but I think I've said this. If you're a Brother Kylie or a Brother Cordell, you're carnal. We're not of Brother Kylie. We're not of Brother Cordell. We're of Christ. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 3, 1 through 11 says, And I, brethren, could not speak unto you as spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk and not with meat, for hitherto you are not able to bear it, neither yet now are ye able. For ye are yet carnal, for whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are ye not carnal and walk as men? For while one saith, I am of Paul, and another, I am of Apollos, are ye not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who, who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I have planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then neither is he that planteth anything, neither he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor." For we are labors together with God, ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building 
according to the grace of God, which is given unto me as a wise master builder. I have laid the foundation, and another buildeth thereon. But let every man take heed how he buildeth thereupon. For, for other foundation can no man lay that is laid, which is Christ Jesus. Listen, <clears throat> if you have to have an apology to forgive somebody, the love of God's not in you. I believe that. And I'll just go far, so far as to say this. If you keep a list of offenses that your brothers or sisters have done against you, the love of God is not in you. Okay. So, we're entering a season of prayer and fasting. I think what we need to do is pray for unity in the body of Christ. Brother Cordell, you preached not long ago, not my will, but God's be done. That's what we have to ask for. If God does it, you end up with Pentecost. If we do it, we end up with Babel. So, these are words, I think, that we can all live by. Micah 6 and 8, he hath showed me, O man, what is good. And what, what doth the Lord require of thee but to do justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God? That is good advice. Brother Dave Larson, when he used, was here and teach, he'd say, be careful, don't get your eyes too close together. And again, I believe Satan fears one thing more than anything else, and that is unity in the body. Just recently, I had to do some work on our, our clothes dryer. And there's a plastic piece that's on the bottom and it broke. And uh, So I got out a bottle of super glue and put it back together and glued it. And wouldn't you know it, I glued my thumb and index finger together. <clears throat> you can, that's unity. And the only way you're going to get it apart is to tear the skin. Or, I've, I've built a lot of remote control model airplanes, and this is not the first time this happened. So I have a bottle of this spray stuff that's called Debonder. A couple little spritz and boom. So I would ask you this morning, what do you want to be? The super glue or the Debonder in the body? Let's be wise concerning Satan's devices. Don't be one of those that's used by Satan in the body. And <clears throat> because if we lack unity in the body, it's very possible that this place could become a Tower of Babel. And I don't think any of us want that. So I would remind you again today to remember who you are and the name that you bear. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.